to ESPN's The Bar Post podcast. This is a chili special. We're going to talk chilies because we haven't done it in a little while. We're very excited for the June friendly. So it's me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington, and Angela Christian Wilkes. We're going to run the rule over the squad, talk about who we like, who we don't like. We love them all. We love them all. Don't think that we don't like any of the players. We're just really excited to talk about the squad the team and these upcoming friendlies. So let's crack into it. We've got a 25-player squad, lots of new faces, lots of players returning to the fold after some time away. Tony's going to be meeting a new kind of crop of players, which is super-duper exciting. The games in question, we've got Denmark on June 11 and then Sweden on June 16th. So things are happening pretty fast and furious. So let's crack into the squad. So I shall ask each of you, who are you most excited to see? It can be a newbie, it can be someone who we haven't seen in a while, it can be Sam Kerr actually, it doesn't really matter, but who are each of you excited to see? Angela, I'm going to ask you first because I can. Who are you most excited to see? Uh, I was really pleased to see BD Goad back in the fold for this um, these couple of friendlies, so I'm really excited to see um, if she will be getting significant minutes in these friendlies um, and basically if she can sustain, like, sustain her performances from last time. So um, because, yeah, I think we discussed that in depth, but she did a really fab job and really stepped up to the plate last time with um, Ross Barkin getting injured so early. Sorry, Rusty, that does the end of that. But yes, on the other side, Biddy Go, that's really exciting. Um, and she was very composed, which I think we really need and will be an interest point for these couple of friendlies. Harrow, who are you keen to see? Okay. I'm excited to see Elise Keller Knight back in camp. Um, I stole on your bit there, Marissa. Um, we know she did her knee and uh she's been absent for so long, recently got back on the park in Sweden, and she, I think. People forget just how influential and brilliant she is. She's a leader. She's composed. She's got this amazing passing range. She is clearly our best number six at her best. She's one of the best going around. She makes the rest of our midfield look better. We know she has the versatility to drop into left back, but please never again. Uh, we want her in our midfield. We want her dictating things. I think we'll probably see glimpses of her this window. Um, I doubt unless she's really progressed rapidly, that she'll start. But I think it'd be so important to get her back in camp. Such a reassuring presence. And I think it really just sums up the squad in terms of the maturity and experience we're getting back. More than 100 caps to her name. And uh, I'm wrapped that she's already back in the fold because with ACLs, you never know how long they're, I guess, going to keep you out for, depending on your progress. It's her second one, I think. So, yeah, Elise Keller Knight back in the fold. Can I say? Yeah. You love to see it. How good, like both of those things. That's the player I'm really excited to see um, back in that squad list. You may absolutely say you love to see it because we do love to see it, but I think you're right in the sense that she is coming back from the ACL. She's about 10 months post-injury. She hasn't played any minutes for a Swedish club yet, so it will be interesting to see how she's kind of utilised in these games. Sam, who are you looking forward to seeing? I am so looking forward to seeing Kara Cooney-Cross. We talked about her all throughout the W League. She had probably the best W League season in her entire very short, very young career so far. But she is widely regarded by so many people, particularly in Football Australia setups, as the future of the Matildas. She has just come along in leaps and bounds over the last two years. She's risen to every single challenge that she's met. 
And I think a lot of us are expecting her to really start to kick on and perhaps find a club overseas over the next year or two who can sort of make sure that she continues to grow and to flourish in all the ways that we know she can. So I'm expecting that of the four potential debutantes who have been called up into this camp, so Kyra Cooney-Cross, Tegan Micah, Courtney Nevin and Charlotte Grant, I'm expecting it'll be Kyra who is most likely to get minutes because of all the players in the W League this season, I think she was probably the standout. And given that this is a squad that's being put together with one eye on the Olympics and one eye on 2023, I think this is the moment to really get Kyra into this fold and to see how she goes, whether she sinks or swims. So it's a real, this squad is really a kind of testament to my brand of Olympicos and whatnot. We've got two Olympico scorers in there, so I'm feeling sensational. Just bring, bring it out, girls. Give us some, give us some um, more Olympicos against Nordic sides. I think it'd be really fun. Um, but as we said, there's a whole bunch of players that we're getting back, new faces, kind of returning players as well. It's 12 players that Tony hasn't even met yet, which is almost half the squad, which is insane when you actually think about it. And I think I'll run through who we are actually getting back just so you can all kind of appreciate who is returning. We've got Ellie Carpenter coming back, Steph Catley, Alex Chidiak, Kyra Cooney-Cross, um, Charlotte Grant, Amy Harrison, Elise Kellen-Knight, Tegan Micah, Courtney Nevin, Kaya Simon and Tamika Yolop. Like... All of those players bring something to the fold and particularly the players that we're more familiar with and have, you know, almost a bajillion caps between them. It's so exciting that we are actually able to kind of see them back in the fold and see what they can do after such a long time away. Harrow? Well, I think for Tony, he actually gets the chance to really flex what he can do with this playing group. Like we know that the first camp was very limited time with the players, those games with the a very limited squad, let's be honest. But you can't downplay, I think it's something like 400 caps between um, KK, Simon, Catley, Carpenter and Yollop alone. There's more than 400 caps between those players. So that's an extraordinary amount of experience coming in. It's also huge in terms of adversatility and generally strengthening every area of the park. Like I think everyone was really excited to see what Ellie Carpenter could do after playing really well at Leon. I believe she's just been nominated for Young Player of the Season. Um, it was the Google translation of the French was like female hope. I was like, I think that's Young Player or like emerging player. Um, so she's doing really well at Leon. I think we're super excited to see what she could do given she's developing into one of the best right backs in the world. Steph Catley as well. We were clearly like defensively exposed in those games and we really rely on those players and just yeah in terms of midfield depth and strength I think you can't underestimate just how important players like Tamiki Yellow and even Kaya Simon are Simon gives an, another level of versatility can push into midfield can attack is a very skillful technical player has a bit of a turn of pace as well so it's just a hugely bolstered squad like when I was writing about it yesterday that's that's what I said it's, it's bolstered like they lost their, their ship 10 goals across two games, but this squad is completely different in, when you realistically look at it. And I know that it's easy to get caught up on the exciting names that are coming in and as we should be, but the experience that we're getting back is just so crucial and we should actually get a more realistic idea of what this team is actually going to look like under Tony. I'd be curious to see as well, in contrast almost to the, the previous two friendlies, now that Tony has basically 
the Matildas starting 11, the starting 11 that went to the Women's World Cup, whether he's going to use the upcoming friendlies to test that, to see whether this is going to be the starting 11 that goes to the Olympics. I mean, I'm, the biggest question mark I think I probably have is a left back because Steph Catley, again, coming into this camp off the back of some consecutive injuries, hasn't played a lot of minutes. And that's why I sort of expected that Tony would have called up uh, a couple more left backs to try and test out that zone. So you've got your BD Goad who's coming back, which is awesome. And then Courtney Nevin and Charlotte Grant are both left backs. Amy Harrison can also play at left back. She played there for Sydney FC a couple of seasons ago. So outside of that question mark, I would expect that Tony would probably field the strongest starting 11 at some stage against one of these two teams, just to see if it works, just to see if it clicks, just to see what the chemistry is like between all these players, whether there are some who perhaps click better than others, whether there are some who are in form more than others, and then he can maybe make adjustments in the second friendly or maybe in the in the next window before the Olympics as well. I think you can't also underestimate how important getting a win would be. Like when we talk about full strength teams, Sam, I think you're spot on. I think you've got to test out what's close to your strongest 11. You're only getting them together so many times. Yeah, you want to test out some players, but these are like professional athletes are competitive beasts. They want to win. They hate losing. They've started off this new era, I guess, with two heavy losses. I mean, you can paint them whichever way you want, but they're, they're two heavy losses. These players want to be winning. They want to be fill up their in games. They want to throw everything at them. I know they're friendlies, but they still want to, you know, go out there and, and get a victory. I think if they can actually, I think that's going to be so important to actually feel like they're competing right in these games, making a bit of a statement and doing all they can to, to come away with a win or, you know, if it ends up being a draw or a, a close loss, so be it. But I think that's what the focus really will, will be on there. I know they would have liked to think they could have won one of those two games, but clearly the squad wasn't quite so strong. With a much stronger squad with players who know each other better, players that should be coming in high on confidence after really good domestic seasons. I think that's going to be the, I guess, real intensity about this squad because they are winners. <laughs> that's what they want to do. So I think that's going to be um, really interesting to watch because I don't think they want to slip to more, more losses because that does sap at your confidence, even with all the factors of knowing the limitations around getting together, limited, limited playing minutes, those sorts of things. You need to start picking up some sort of results. I'm one of the things that worries me a little bit is now that we do have basically the strongest possible Matilda squad in this camp, how we are tempering our expectations. Because as you said, Harry, like with this squad, they the players themselves and maybe now the fans are starting to expect that we can compete a little bit better alongside Denmark, alongside Sweden. But again, like there are some bits and bobs in this squad, some players who have come in who haven't been playing well, players who are still coming back from injuries, players who haven't played together in the Matildas for a really long time as well. Like in the first two friendlies, that team hadn't been together for over a year. And now we do have players coming coming in like Kaya Simon, like Steph Catley, like Illy Carpenter, who haven't seen them for even longer because they weren't in the last camp. So how is that chemistry going to affect it or that lack of chemistry going to affect performances? Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I've been thinking lately about how Australian football fans in particular have placed the Matildas on a bit of a pedestal and 
you know, the, the, the big sort of conversation around our results in the 2019 Women's World Cup and, and people, particularly in mainstream sort of like media positions, some of them were like, well, like we should win this. We should win this whole World Cup. We have a great squad, blah, blah, blah. But those were opinions and expectations that were sort of formed in a vacuum. They weren't really taking the wider context of the global women's game into account. And so I just think that when we talk about, when we have pods like this, when we talk about squads like this and we talk about how strong the Matildas are, we also need to keep in mind that they aren't the only strong team in the world. Other teams have also been building. Other teams also have ripper players who've had incredible seasons. One of them is going to be playing for Denmark. She is their captain. She is Penil Harder. She is Sam Kerr's teammate. So, you know, we need to, I think, temper things a little bit, keep things a little bit in check and just remember that, you know, we're, we're playing in a very different kind of world to the one that we thought we were in 2019. I think another element of tempering that expectation is that we have historically struggled against European sides and Sweden and Denmark are no exceptions. We've never beaten Denmark and we've beaten Sweden once and that was in 1997. So, you know, it's not like all of a sudden because the squad is back together, we kind of exercise those demons and get really good against European oppositions. But it is a necessary part of the process to get better against European opposition. So it's very exciting that there are these games. And I think, yeah, you're right, Sam, that we need to look at them with a lot of context. But um, something else you said, the left-back conundrum, obviously if Carly Rossbacken was uh, at full fitness, you'd have to think that she would factor into Tony's considerations, but it's a good opportunity to talk about who's not in this squad. So obviously Ross Buckin's injured. Chloe Legazzo also has an injury, so she is not named in the squad. But then there are also some players who missed out from the April window and players who just were in and around the squad but haven't been named in this final 25. So who who are you missing the most? Who are you surprised to miss out? Or who do you just kind of feel bad for? So, Sam, who, who are you kind of missing from this squad? I'm really sad not to see a recall for Dylan Holmes. I thought that she was excellent when she came on against the Netherlands and listening to the podcast that Fox Football did with Tony Gustafsson uh, yesterday before the, the squad dropped, he mentioned how he wants his team to uh, be made up of players who are able to break the lines. And I thought that one thing that Dylan Holmes did really, really well was exactly that. She got herself into goal, even though she is a midfielder, she's a box-to-box midfielder, she was able to find spaces in attacking areas in order to get only one of the only shots off in the entire game for Australia in that, in that moment. Um, I think she's a really dynamic player. Her passing range is fabulous. Her vision is really mature. And I just think that she has the personality to be part of this team as well. So, yeah, I'm pretty disappointed that she hasn't been brought back. Angela, who are you sad not to see? I don't... Um, I'm not really sad about anyone missing, I suppose, because I I guess this sort of squad, I'm not entirely sure what the scope of it is meant to be. So, like Sam, I was sort of surprised that Dylan Holmes wasn't included, but I do wonder if... Tony Gustafsson is also using this as an opportunity to see more players in high-pressure competitive environments in the lead-up to 2023 as opposed to the Olympics. So as you touched on earlier, there is a sort of a, 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 a pronged approach, two-pronged approach to this sort of setup in the lead-up to the Olympics and the World Cup. Um, but I don't know. I just, you know... I'll, the Polydor and Pumpery me is like, Polydor, what's Polydor? But, you know, that's like very idealistic and a little bit silly. Um, I did, 
I have noted on the toots that certain people are very surprised about the omission of Lisa Devanna. Um, and again, taking into consideration the sort of the long con in all of this, it does, it's not entirely surprising that she's not in this setup. And I think something worth noting as well. So Kara Cooney Cross, she's in this squad and she developed very closely with Devanna over this last W League season. So I think maybe when we're considering these things, Lisa Devanna has already contributed to this squad in a really interesting way, sort of to the side in the development of players that are now coming into it. And yeah, I so I'm I'm not entirely surprised there and I don't feel um, aggrieved, particularly by any of the emissions. I think it all looks pretty fair, but... I don't know. And I think also we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, we don't have the full context. We can only sort of provide our gut reactions. And my gut's not really saying much, I'm afraid. Anyway, <laughs> that was a bit of a tangent. But Anna, do you have anyone that you're like, shit was robbed? <laughs> no, not really, to be honest. I'm not sad about, I'm kind of like you, Angela. I'm not really sad about any of the players missing out. I was surprised that Emma Checker wasn't in um, just because of centre-backs brought in Caitlin Cooper. Um, she's clearly a younger option, but um, I don't know if it was a form thing or maybe just, you know, didn't tick the required boxes in terms of form-wise when she was in the last camp. That surprised me. Uh, I was initially surprised to see Amy Sayer um, dropped, given she showed a bit, but I think her and Holmes fall into the same category, to be honest. Like, if you look at the squad and the inclusions, like, <laughs> Lise Callan Knight's come in, Tamika Yallop's come in. They've called up Kara Cooney-Cross and Alex Chidiak as playmakers. Like realistically, how many midfielders can you call up before you have a bunch of them just sitting on the pine the whole time? Like they got to look at a couple of these players. I think Sayer and Holmes are good examples. And while it's maybe disappointing that we're not seeing them, like if we want to see maybe Kara Cooney-Cross push for an opportunity or Alex Chidiak, who I'm quite excited to see back in the fold, um, there's only so many we can sort of fit in at once. So I guess that's the, the difficult prospect for the, this coaching staff as much as we enjoyed seeing cameos from a couple of those players I think you summed it up well with Holmes there Sam like I guess if you want to test out close to a full strength lineup you those players are going to be superseded by the likes of Tamiki Allop um, so yeah I'm not I'm not saying that I'm devastated by any of the exclusions here uh, but it's you know there was a couple that I was a little bit surprised by but upon actually thinking about it I was like makes sense if you're only going to take 25 players and a certain amount of midfielders or a certain amount of forwards. And I think that was the same thing with Lisa Devanna that Tony Gustafsson said, you've got so many forwards, you've got to try and fit all these different players in. And unfortunately, some are going to miss out. I think there has been a little bit more surprise around some of the inclusions as well. Um, like Courtney Nevin su- surprised me a little bit, but again, I haven't been... Cl- like following her closely. So I can't really comment in much detail um, about what the coaches are potentially seeing there in her, her most recent form and that sort of thing. So again, that's just a sort of like, oh, there you go. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but maybe Sam, you can talk to that a little bit later when we discuss sort of the the combinations, because that seems to be a big thing for Tony is bringing in, you know, chemistry that's already there instead of trying to start from the ground up. Yeah, absolutely right. And we will talk about the kind of chemistry. Tony has said that it's something that he wants to focus on in this particular camp. And with the Olympics coming up, you can't blame him for that. So we'll have a look, I suppose, at the field 
and the groups of players within the field. And we'll start with the midfielders because that's kind of the area that's had the most overhaul and the most kind of change from the April window to this June window. So Sam, I suppose, what do you like about the players that we've brought in and what are you envisioning kind of on the pitch then? Who are you imagining will actually take to the field? Yeah, Harrow, and, and you mentioned it before as well, Marissa, like the midfielders that we have have just like 10 billion caps between them. So they're really experienced at this level. They're experienced playing together at this level. And they're also probably going to be experienced against the opposition as well. The kinds of midfielders they're going to be coming up against in these two friendlies too. So I'm expecting at least one of the games to start with or to have a combination of midfielders that we are all very used to. So you will see, for example, an Emily van Egmond, a Tamika Yallop and Elise Kellen-Knight. You will see the most experienced, the most, um, you know, the most capped and probably the most, um, I guess, valuable to to the, the team at the moment, if they're all in form, of course. Um, because they've all been playing together for so, 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 so long. They were the players who played together in France. They've been, you know, playing in various combinations at club level as well. Um, so I think that that's, you know, if, if we are thinking about the strongest possible Matilda's midfield and we're just like talking about that midfield tri- triangle, I think those three players probably factor into that. Um, but I would also, I think I would like to see, a little bit of um, a little bit of experimentation. I do think that we need a different creative outlet to Van Egmond. I think that she does offer something that's really great, but it's also quite predictable sometimes, and she's easy to shut down. So I would like to see someone like Akara Cooney Cross um, or an Alex Chudiak be given a really serious run as well in that combination of more experienced players around them, um, and maybe even, I mean, at least Kellen Knight. I think that the injury question is uh, an important one as well and Ivy Lewick was probably one of the best players for the Matildas in the previous two friendlies so she's been recalled back into this squad as well I think that she in her current form she's still playing in Spain she is probably a shoe-in for that number six position but it depends again on the system that Tony wants to play maybe he wants to play with two sixes maybe he wants to play with a box midfield who knows um, but I would like to see a, a combination of experience and youth and um, sort of certainty and experimentation either in one or both of the friendlies. If she's right to go, Sam, just to bounce off that, I'd really like to see Amy Harrison. Like, I think she's been generally doing quite well in the Netherlands. Her last W League season was really good through the midfield. I think can play that sort of, um, not, I don't want to say pure box to box, but she offers something a little bit different that would maybe allow uh, Van Egmond or Tamiki Allop to make those really good runs and push forward and just add something a little bit different and maybe unpredictable. Like, I'll, if she's doing well, I wouldn't mind seeing her get a little bit of a run in there as well because we know that she's been doing doing the work in terms of club football, playing plenty of games, and I reckon she would have been factored into the mix before, obviously, that um, that COVID situation came up. I also wouldn't rule out if Kaya Simon sorry, plays some match minutes that she pushes in a little bit as well. Um, I think we prefer her as more of a striker or a forward, but she has been used to effect in the past when she can link up a little bit and play quite close to those midfielders. I just like that there is room for more versatility, as you say, Sam, and room to test some players and room to test out a few different things, Um, whereas clearly we looked very limited in terms of what we could do against two very, very technical midfields in the Germans and the Dutch. So I'm keen to see what we can do if we can give maybe release the shackles on Van Egmond a little bit. She had to do a lot more defensive running, especially when playing alongside Mary Fowler in those games. 
Um, maybe if we can release her a little bit forward, use her weapons to better effect as we saw at club level. That's something I'd like to see. I think we'll get so much drive from Tamiki Yallop coming back in. I'm disappointed Chloe Legazzo is not available because I think she also provides that real sort of buzzing energy. Um, but I think Yallop will be a huge inclusion. It's, it's a much more exciting midfield this time around, I've got to say. And I think it brings with it a sort of that experience brings a sort of calm <laughs> to the situation. And that I think to put it in crass terms, any young person that kind of comes in, if you've got that sort of midfield around you, the mistakes aren't going to be as uh, like hefty, I suppose. They're not going to have um, as much of an impact. So they have a little bit more permission to shit the bed, I suppose. Not that you should be aiming to do that, but you know what I mean? And that's, I think that's good. I think that's good. Cause we, it was uh, yeah. Little paddock stations last time for both fans and the place. Anyway. Maybe just give uh, Ivy Lewick a bit more of a chop out as well. Like she was run absolutely ragged in those games. Like she put in a power of work, but I think with a more experienced midfield that shares the load better. I think that is something that's going to be really interesting for players like Alex Judiak and Kyra Cooney-Cross is can they step up to the speed required? We know that Alex Judiak's been in the midfield, in the Matildas fold before. Can they hit the, the running speeds they need to consistently? Can they get up to the level? Can they impress enough in training to actually get a start because you're not going to if you don't impress in training because if you're not doing all the right things in training your teammates don't trust you to start they don't feel you know they think that you're gonna for, to quote Angela shit the bed um <laughs> you you need to get that backing and support of your teammates so I'll be interested to hear how Alex Chidiak and Kyra Kuni Cross in particular go because clearly the talent's there the creativity's there um but it's showing your teammates that you can do these things you can step in um if Emily Van Egelon's not playing in that 10, because clearly like she is the front runner to play that spot and deservedly so. And if you want to get in and play a creative role in that midfield, I think the experience with Fowler showed that you've got to be able to do the running, do the work, um, and you've got to really step up to the plate and show that you belong at the level. And I think this is a really exciting opportunity for those players to do it. And maybe Sam maybe contributes to why we're not seeing players like, um, Sayer and Holmes back in the fold because we got a bit of a glimpse of them. Now it's time for a couple of other players to show that they can do it too. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting test ahead. And that's also why I think it's important that we see midfield combinations where you do have one or two really experienced players who know what the level is surrounding players who are new because the only, like, training is one thing and being in camp is one thing. But these players play differently. They have a different mindset when they are in a game. And it's only by playing alongside players like that and around players like that, that you as a debutant, you as a young player, you as someone who wants to be part of the Matildas, realises what is expected of you. Not just in terms of the numbers. You'll know all the numbers when you get there. You'll know that Ivy Lewick ran 16 kilometres against the Netherlands. You'll know all that already. But being alongside players like Tamiki Yallop, like Lise Kellen Knight, like Ivy Lewick, like Sam Kerr, the things that they tell you, how they respond to you making certain decisions, the advice that they give you in game, the things that they ask you to do, how they, how all that chemistry works sort of psychologically and emotionally in that dynamic, I think is really important as well. So that's why I would like to see a couple of newer, younger players get thrown into those kinds of moments so they actually know what is required of them across all levels of being an international athlete because it's only really in these kinds of games that you're able to get that. 
I reckon it's uh, on that stand. Like, I think people when they're watching shouldn't be expecting to see all their faves come in at once. Like <laughs> you're not going to, you're probably unlikely to see, I don't know, unless it's late in the game, Amy Harrison playing with Kyra Cooney cross. You're probably going to see some sort of gradual introduction of these players. And they might get limited minutes, depending of course, on how they're going camp. Um, not to go full segue here, but I think it's um, one thing that will really help this midfield out is having a far more short up back line. Like we, we talked about how well Beatty Go did, but, you know, Steph Catley is another level. And she was she was getting back to play, having a start at Arsenal before that season ended. So she has managed to get at least sort of 45 minutes under her belt. And I imagine that's what we'll hopefully see with Steph, where she starts and then, then maybe gets subbed out and it's just building her loads. Um, and Ellie Carpenter is a machine. Like right back, we really got torn apart in those games. And, you know, it went from being pre-April camp, we were like, well, that's a strong point. We know that, you know, like, let's not move Ellie Carpenter over to left back because let's just have a dominant right back to it being a real point of weakness where we were sort of shuffling players in that either were out of position or weren't um, necessarily at, at the level they needed to be at. So I think that will give a inspire a bit of confidence. I think Alana Kennedy is now set and forget at centre-back. I think the uh, defensive midfield experiment, Matildas-wise, might be over just because of, as we mentioned, the pure midfield depth and the fact we need her at centre-back. So can you please stay there? Um, and we know we've got experience in terms of centre-back. So I think that will give a lot more confidence to the midfield mix as well as just knowing that you've got a really experienced defence that, can work well together, have played a lot of football together. And yeah, Steph Catley might not play or is in like unlikely you'd think to play 90 minutes. But if we can get that sort of top range back four up and firing, I think it'll add a lot of experience and just confidence across the pitch. And that's something that clearly we didn't have in those um in those first two games. So Harrow did touch on it. We'll talk a little bit about the defence. This is another area of the pitch where we're testing a lot of players. And as I kind of said earlier, we know why. It's because we don't have a lot of defensive depth. So we can see that there's a kind of proactive choice to test players out and see who is available and who is up to the level. But that being said, Angela, do you expect kind of the most obvious back four to be selected? So your Catleys, your Carpenters, your Kennedys, and then one of either kind of Brock or Polkinghorn? Like, is that what you're expecting in these games? Yes, I think so. I think we, you know, thinking about development aside, I think, yeah, we really need to, as Anna said, shore up that defensive line. Um, Playing Steph Catley where she plays best will be really important, but just looking at that back four, I think everyone, you know, it's probably on the same wavelength here. It's good for now, but the future, like what are, what's happening there? Who are we bringing in? When are they going to be brought in? Because, like, Laura Brock, she's been playing heaps, and I think that she's like, yep, double thumbs up. Polkinghorn, same. Um, I think we do have, like, enough depth now, but it just takes one injury and it sort of all topples over a little bit. Um, and it's those injuries at major events that we need to be concerned about. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, the, the, the centre-back question will haunt me until it's solved for once and for all and we have, like, multiple names that we can be bringing in there and that we can rely on. Anyway, okay. Hannah? Reassuring, Angela. I mean, I'm in the same boat here, Angela. Like, the way I look at our current, like, centre-back stocks, um, given... 
Jenna McCormick's season in terms of form, fitness, injuries, concussions, like clearly that's ruled her out um, of this of this current window, like just not managed to get the runs on the board to to contend. Emma Checker, um, as far as I know, isn't injured this time, just hasn't been called up, like just been omitted from the squad. So there's two centre-back options that, um, you know, haven't made the cut this time around. Uh, Carly Rossbacker, we've talked about as a potential future centre-back, is injured. I mean, the fact that Kate, the fact that Caitlin Cooper has been called up and good, good on her. She had a good season for the Wanderers. She's an experienced player, but it is kind of an indictment on the fact we don't have other centre backs that have pushed their names up into contention. We know that Ellie Brush was probably going to be in the frame before she did her knee. She would have probably been in the mix to go into those sorts of talent ID camps, etc. Um, she was at the first one, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a good reward for Caitlin Cooper, but it. Is a, I guess, an indictment on our lack of stocks. And for me, the way you look at it at the moment, the most likely thing in terms of future centre back depth, if Polkinghorne and maybe Brock retire in these next few years, is Steph Catley shifting into centre back because she's probably our next best centre back. And she's a very good centre back when she plays there. She's an elite fullback. But if our fullback stocks continue to develop, that's the most likely outcome I can see, which is disappointing because you want to see some real centre-backs come through and be able to utilise Steph in her her best role. But, yeah, and I think that's where she w- – I think that is where she will play when she plays in these games. I think she will play at full-back and she, I imagine, will do a very good job there as she always does. But it is a shame that we haven't managed to still <laughs> unearth those those centre-backs that we, we really want. I am excited to see what our full-backs can do, though. I, I – Love the idea of Ellie Carpenter bombing on and Steph Catley bombing on and really showing what they can do. Alina Kennedy playing balls out from centre-back. Like, when this defence is up and running, there can be some really exciting moments. Um, I just think, yeah, we we need more depth. And we don't seem to have found it just yet, Sam. Yeah, it's not that we're not developing them. There are definitely some emerging centre-backs at youth level, at young Matilda's level, um, there are a number of centre-backs who were called into the Matilda's Talent ID camp, for example. We had Jess Nash there. We had Matilda McNamara there. So there are names in and around, but you're right. Like when we talk about the performance gap more generally in the Matilda's context, it's I think centre-back and defensive midfield, those are the two positions that I think the gap is widest. Like when we look at it, who is our next centre-back outside of this sort of very shallow crop of players, it's literally like, 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds, you know, and that's sort of why I was quite um, surprised that Emma Checker wasn't reintroduced into this camp because she's still 24 years old. She is, I think, a a very naturally gifted centre-back. She's a a commanding presence. She's a leader. She can organise really well. She's obviously taking the advice from Football Australia and trying to play at the highest possible level that she can currently in Iceland. And she's shown that she's also versatile. You know, when she was pushed out to right back in uh, the Netherlands game, she showed that she was able to do that. You know, not not as well as sort of more dedicated fullbacks can, but she can do a job. And I think given the big question marks we have over our ageing centre-backs at the moment, who are basically our starting centre-backs, right? Polkinghorne and Brock. This is their, like the last, the next couple of years are basically the, the, the twilight of their Matilda's careers. They'll, but they will likely retire after 2023. And we need to have someone who is able to immediately step in to the roles that they have occupied. So 
I think we're, we're all obviously in agreement that Alana Kennedy needs to be one of those players. She's 26. She's in the, the right performance age bracket, all that sort of stuff. She's obviously one of our best centre-backs. But who is going to be partnering her now over the next sort of two to three years, two to three tournaments, and then post that as well? And I think of all the players currently available to us, Emma Checker seemed like the most obvious option. I'm not sold on Jenna McCormick, to be honest. I think that that was... She hasn't proved herself at this level or at international club level enough. Um, but if she's able to kick on, perhaps she can be brought back into the fold come, you know, Asian Cup 2022, World Cup 2023, maybe. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I mean, I am I'm pretty worried. And Sam, it's also worth mentioning that Laura Brock, I think last year, did that interview where she was talking about retiring after the Olympics, like not even after 2023. Like, yeah. ideally she... They have changed their mind on that and be looking to go on for these, these, this extra year or, or two. But if she is still planning to finish up, um, it's not come up lately, but clearly retirement is something that's been on her mind for a while, then this problem could be accelerated. So we do need to start looking. And I not start looking because I know they're looking. And as you say, Sam, they're developing. It's just that we don't have any players at that sort of right age group coming in at the right time to to fill that immediate gap. And it's, um, yeah, I think it's going to be an ongoing concern. And it it has been for a while. I mean, look at the 2019 World Cup when Laura Brock, Laura Brock went down injured. Polk's had her hammy in the first game and uh, no bueno. <laughs> so we, it's just, you don't want to see it again. And hopefully we can, yeah, we can start seeing some more depth come through. And I think one thing that is helping is bringing more fullbacks into the fold because if you do have to shift Steph Catley or even a Carly Ross back in the future into a central defensive role, you are having more players come through that can do the job at wide level. And I'll be interested to see how Courtney Nevin and Charlotte Grant go. I think they're good, I think they're good players to bring in because BD Goat impressed, but I don't think you want I don't think she's sort of player that she's the sort of player that would players feeling secure as say the second option as a fullback. You you want to see she she surprised everyone. You want to see if other players can match that level. Other players can surprise us and do something a little bit different and see what they have to offer. And we know that Grant in particular is just lightning. So it'll be uh, interest, interesting to see if those players can make a bit of a step up too. And they're all only nineteen as well. With the centre back question, I suppose so. We we have Alana Kennedy. At, at what point do you just make a commitment to this is our next centre-back that's going to work closely with Alana Kennedy and, I guess, make a decision to put Carly Ross back in as the next centre-back for the Matildas? You know what I mean? I think it's sort of we're still towing the line and the de- versatility is very important. But I think if we are going to build a strong line, back line, and not just a strong centre-back, I suppose at some point that needs to be taken into consideration. I'm not sure. I'm not a coach, but that's just my humble onion. You might want to get them in there and get significant minutes with the people that they're going to be playing with further down the track as soon as possible. I think that'll be determined by the players themselves, to be honest. Like I think that the moves that an Emma Checker is making now, for example, she is making deliberate decisions in her football career to put herself into that conversation. Whereas someone like a Jenna McCormick, who's playing for South Melbourne in the Victorian NPL, which may be disrupted because of COVID, you know, that's a decision of someone to me. And obviously her experience in Spain wasn't great and maybe that's been really off-putting for her in terms of trying to get another move overseas. But that's the, that's the kind of decision that I don't think um, shows as much determination to 
be part of that I want to be the next Matilda centre-back sort of vibe as what someone like an Emma Checker is doing. So I think the players sort of filter themselves in and out of that conversation based on what they do outside of Matilda's camp. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see what's going to happen in between now and I guess the Asian Cup as well, because the Asian Cup is going to be its own um, sort of experimental tournament because we've already qualified as hosts for the World Cup. Um, so we don't actually really need to win anything or to seriously compete in any way at that tournament. So that might be sort of the last opportunity that a player like a Jenna McCormick or an Emma Checker gets to completely fully cement themselves as the next partner to Alana Kennedy. If indeed Alana Kennedy is going to be the future Matilda centre-back, she may just not want to do that and she may want to be a midfielder, in which case you've got a lot of competition, gal. I just wanted to make a sort of quick observation about Caitlin Cooper's call into the Matildas as well. Like, as you said, Harrow, earlier, it's a bit of an indictment on our lack of centre-back depth that we're having to call on someone who is basically a Matildas veteran to come in at centre-back. Um, Cooper, she did have a very good season with the Wanderers. She was probably one of their best defenders. Um, but she's been playing for the Illawarra Stingrays in the New South Wales NPL, and she's not really been played as a defender there so much as a midfielder. Um, maybe they've taken that into account. Maybe that's something that they're also looking at in terms of her versatility and her ability to break lines. Um, but I, I speculate that a large part of the reason Cooper has perhaps been brought in is because she is a leader. She also is very familiar with some of the players, some of the younger players who are coming in from W League and NPL level, particularly Kara Cooney-Cross. The two of them played together at Wanderers as well as Courtney Nevin. Um, and the, all four of the players who've been called from the New South Wales NPL, so Cooper, Cooney-Cross, Nevin and Grant to some extent as well, who played for Blacktown Spartans before moving to Sweden, they're all very familiar with each other and they play, you know, they play in and against each other quite regularly. Um, so I think that when we talk about like pockets of chemistry, and, and leadership, I think that that may have factored into the decision to bring, to bring Cooper in as well. Um, but again, I, I think perhaps the primary reason is she is maybe acting as a bit of a stopgap. I don't think that she's a good enough centre-back at international level. I think that she's a bit too slow, um, particularly coming up against the kinds of forwards that you come up against at international level, particularly in European opposition. Um, but I think she will contribute to the team in, in other kinds of ways. And perhaps, you know, Tony is wanting to look at what she can offer, perhaps going a little bit further forward as well. So, yeah, just a brief observation about Coops. Sam, I'm just interested in your thoughts on Courtney Nevin as well, because I think she missed a fair bit of the W League season with fatigue. Um, but she was playing in the New South Wales NPL, had impressed, I think, in the season before that. Just in terms of what you've seen from her, especially at that lower level or what you've heard about her because I think that was I think as Angela mentioned there was a selection that quite a few people not necessarily questioned some would have questioned but were definitely curious about because I think if people talked about bolters or fullbacks people were looking at yeah Angie Beard Jamila Rankin um a, a centre-back perspective and a big essay push for Matilda McNamara like um but more so those former two like Angie Beard and Jamila Rankin what has Courtney Nevin got about her that they really like because clearly there's some sort of some sort of spark or something there that they, they really want to explore more of? Yeah, good question. Uh, so Nevin didn't play as much for the Wanderers as I think a lot of us expected, particularly off the back of her previous season with them, where, in which she was, I think, fantastic. 
she that was the season where she also played with Kara Cooney Cross at the Wanderers. The two of them have played together at youth Matilda's level for a couple of years as well. Um, and, and they also play together at Blacktown Spartans, the two of them. Um, the, like the Blacktown Spartans, for anybody outside of, I guess, New South Wales MPL circles, um, the Blacktown Spartans are basically the future Matildas program in a single MPL team. Uh, that's where the future Matildas have their um, sort of their weekly training uh, base out in Blacktown as well. So in terms of facility crossovers and accommodation for interstate players, it sort of makes sense that they're all in the one squad. Um, but in terms of what Courtney Nevin offers, the I mean, what I've heard is that she really, really impressed at the Matildas ID camp. Um, she's obviously been part of high performance setups for a while as part of junior and young Matildas teams. Um, Leah Blaney, I think, really, really likes her. She likes what she offers. Nevin is very similar to Kyra in a lot of ways. She's really good over a dead ball. She's got a really, really good left foot. Um, and she's really good at using her body. I think a lot of people who may remember her from her really good first season with the Wanderers can remember the way that Nevin was able to throw off a lot of forwards and wingers who are a lot bigger and stronger than her. Um, and I think she grew into that season and she grew into her next season as well before she sort of had, had those off-field issues that saw her on the bench quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, like, the, these are selections who that are, are being made with an eye on, on the future. Like, I don't think they're, they're going to feature in the Olympics, but they're being brought into these setups so that they know what the level is, what the expectation is, the kinds of players that they're going to be playing with over the next couple of years as well as they continue to be brought into the fold. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's, it's, it's important to give as many players an opportunity to show that they can do it at this level, because some may have impressed at, you know, W League, MPL, whatever level at, in, in, their, in their clubs, but they get to an international level game and they just can't keep up with the speed. They can't keep up with the decision making or they don't fit into the culture. You know, culture is another big one as well. So lots of things to take into consideration. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really surprised that Nevin um, has been brought into it either. I think culture is a really good comment there, Sam. And I think that would be a big reason kind of tying into your comments on Caitlin Cooper, why she would have been brought in. She's very close to like Caitlin Ford, um, knows a lot of these girls, played with them at Sydney or with the Wanderers, has been in the Matilda's fold before, has always been known as being very good sort of squatty, like good person to have around the group. As you say, she's a leader. Um, these sorts of personalities are so important. If you're going to bring in a player like Cooper, the fact that she can gel so well with the group or provide some leadership is is really important, especially when you've got a lot of fresh faces, as you say. You've got a lot of players that haven't been in the environment before in terms of setting the standard and uh, bringing a good environment is really important. All right, let's move to an easy one, the goalkeepers. We've spoken a lot about the goalkeepers, so I'm literally going to keep it to one question. We've spoken a lot about Tegan Micah and how she's kind of in and around. She's made it basically a, a three-player kind of group for Matilda's goalkeeper. She still hasn't actually made her debut yet. So in this window, is Tegan Micah making her debut? Sam, yes or no? Yes. Angela? Yeah. Harrow? No. <gasps> oh, what? Explain. What? Show your reasoning, please. Because I don't think we want to be doing keeper subs partway through and I uh, think uh, Lydia Williams will start one game and I think Mackenzie Arnold will start the other. And yeah, I don't see us making a keeper sub. And also, I like to be the opposite to you guys. It's no fun if we all agree. 
playing the role of the contrarian. I have to begrudgingly respect it. But um, so what are we looking forward to with the kind of attacking players? I just want to see Sam Kerr score. I want to see Sam Kerr hit some of the form. Her and Caitlin Ford hit some of the form we've seen at club level. We didn't see it in the first two matches. Um, I think hopefully they should be far more enabled to to do so with, uh, as we mentioned, the bolstered midfield, the bolstered uh, wide areas, like having fullbacks like Carpenter and Catley whipping balls in just adds so much more. Like Beattie Goat obviously impressed with some defensive work, but didn't have the confidence or, let's be honest, like the the opportunity to really bomb forward and see what she could do from a creative sense. I think Emma Checker playing right fullback put in probably our best ball of the of the first two games. So I think there should be a lot more opportunity for those players to hit the scoreboard. I'm excited to see what they can do. Hopefully Van Egmont gets the shackles off a little bit. And yeah, I think we should hopefully see far more constructive performances from our forwards. Um, and if Mary Fowler does feature, I hope it is as a forward. I don't think she'll obviously crack into that midfield mix now, but I think we, we said in our review of those two games that we would have probably liked to have seen her, even if it was a cameo appearance, play as a forward. Just want goals, to be honest. I'm a simple great to Marissa. I'm excited to see what Kaya Simon can do because I thought she showed heaps under Ante Milicic in those last few games where she got really fit and was in form, firing for Melbourne City, was doing well at um, international level too, scoring goals and obviously had that amazing moment with her composure for that that Emily Van Egmond goal. She just adds something a little bit different. Um, you can play her as a nine, you can play her out wide. As I said earlier, you can push her into midfield. Um, I don't think she's necessarily like the answer to fixing us not scoring too much, but she certainly provides something different and she's very technical. And I think if you've got Kaya and Hayley Razzo and Emily Gilnick all in this mix as players who all provide something a little bit different and then Mary Fowler is sort of the surprise packet, I think that's a very exciting mix to go with. You know, we know what Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford can do. I don't need to rehash it. it it's just a very unpredictable group of forwards and players that have know, that know each other's games and have worked together for a long time. So I'm excited to see Kaya Simon back in the fold in that sense. I think that's also exciting, like just remembering that Melbourne City season where her and Emily Van Egmond paired up a lot and that obviously translated straight away to international level. And the fact that she's also been playing alongside Amy Harrison, like that's already some copy and paste chemistry that you can bring right in there. So I think it'll be really exciting to see if she's paired up with either of those two players out in the field. And yeah, I'm also very excited to see Kaya Simon go back out there because when she's on, she's incredible. One big question that I, I guess I have with our forwards, you know, it's it's sort of the area of the field where we have the least problems in terms of depth, but it's also the area of the field where I think we have the most problems in terms of man marking our players out of the game. Like in the first two friendlies, Sam Kerr barely touched the ball. And we sort of talked about that when we debriefed about it as well. It's like, this is what happens when you are one of the best players in the world everyone knows that you're good. And so you are going to be doubly marked. You're going to have two centre-backs on you all the time. You're like, you're going to be followed around. Everyone's going to be cutting out the passes because they know that they're going to be going to you. And so I guess I'm curious when we sort of saw one, I guess, kind of answer when Emily Gilnick came on in place of Sam Kerr and scored two goals within like five or 10 minutes. So I'm curious to see how 
Tony and how the forward pack are able to compensate for Sam Kerr perhaps being marked out of the game again. Because coming up against a Denmark, coming up against a Sweden, they, she, she's going to be coming up against players that she plays with and against at club level, players who she's played against at Champions League level. They know how good she is. And so they know what they have to do in order to keep her quiet. So if there is a Caitlin Ford, if there is a Hayley Rasso, a Gilnick, a Kaya Simon, who was able to come in, a Mary Fowler, who can come in and offer something different and surprise them, I, I have a, a gut feeling that that's how we're going to be seeing the goals. I don't know if Sam Kerr is going to be able to do it because she's just, she's, she's almost, she's too good now and players are going to be very wary of that. I have a, but a simple wish if, that if we get a penalty, we score it. I'd just like to see that. <laughs> break, break the curse? Yeah, I wouldn't mind if it was Sam Kerr taking it either. I, I am also excited to see how Sam Kerr goes up against Magda Eriksson, given they were teammates. Yes. I think yeah. that was quite exciting. And just seeing some of the players um, across both of these teams that have you know, played with and against each other in the various leagues. I think that's something that's been super exciting that we got a little bit of a glimpse of in those first two games and hopefully will again. Um, just don't be mean to us, Peniel Harder. That's, that's my main thought. Mercy, please. Only other thing for me is Emily Gilnick, go your good thing. Come on, keep going. Stay confident, do the thing. That's all. Hell yeah. So good thing for all of us. But no, so that's the Tilly's preview. That's the Tilly squad. Remember, the games are Denmark, 2 a.m. Friday morning, 11th of June. Then we've got Sweden, 16th of June at 2.45 a.m., which is a Wednesday morning. So don't worry about sleeping. You can do that some other time. But um, we have been the Far Post Pod. You can find us on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify, Google, Apple. If you've liked this episode, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. If you want to chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But uh, until next time, go Tillies and Slayers. <laughs>